0: There's a perception that if you are a man or a woman of science, that automatically means you are not a person of faith. In reality, there are many scientists who see science as either proof of or an extension of their faith. And this has been true since the very beginning of the modern scientific age. Isaac Newton, whose contributions to our understanding of the physical world are immeasurable, was also a very spiritual man. But he also tried his best to reconcile his scientific observations with his Christian beliefs. Was this just a necessary transition between the age of superstition and the age of reason? Had Newton lived a few centuries later, would he have had no problem throwing away Christianity in light of physics? The answer is a little more complicated, because Newton's religious beliefs and his scientific studies were not separate in his mind. They were all part of his attempts to discover the true nature of the universe. Looking closer at this aspect of Newton is Rob Iliff in his book, Priest of Nature, The Religious Worlds of Isaac Newton from Oxford University Press. Rob is professor of history at the University of Oxford and general editor of the online Newton Project. He's my next guest on Indie Voices. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us,
1: Rob. Hi.
0: Well, first, did I get this right? Was religious belief and scientific inquiry all one and the same to Isaac Newton? Without one, you couldn't have the other?
1: I think that Newton, he's a very religious person, he's a Christian like uh, the vast majority of people in Europe, and he sees connections and, and uh, consonances, we might say, between his natural philosophy, which is the contemporary term for science, and his religious outlook. But I think he does see differences between them. We think of it normally as uh, as two books. The idea was prevalent in the early modern period that God had created two books one was the book of nature, and one was the book of scripture. Mm-hmm. And Newton thought that there were two different ways of uh, of understanding both books.
0: Previously, I thought of Isaac Newton as first and foremost a pioneering thinker. And the fact that he was religious is often written off as a kind of interesting little anachronistic fluke. But you found that his religious commitment was deeper and more complex than previously thought?
1: I think people knew that Newton was... Uh, a deeply religious man there is an enlightenment view that he only did his religious research his theology when he became senile that's a mm. harsh way of putting his <laughs> his life in his 60s and 70s but that's the enlightenment view you know he was this uh, this this glorious intellect in the peak of his career In his 20s and 30s, he published the Principia Mathematica in 1687, uh, which people understood or uh, appreciated as the greatest work in the history of science, Mm -hmm. the the origin of modern science. And then he became an MP, a parliamentarian. And then in the 1690s, he went to London and became uh, head of the Royal Mint. And this is all very peculiar to people who came after him Mm -hmm. and that they thought that he must have become mad or gone senile and that it was at that period that he did... His religious work but we now know that he did you know most of his creative religious thinking when he was a very young man in his 20s and 30s so it's it's deep uh, his religious commitment is deep it, it is as if the you know when we look at it properly it's as if he did his mathematics and his physics in his spare time right. and his his key commitment was always to religious research
0: so this wasn't a case of uh well I I'm, I'm getting up there in age now I better make things right with the, with God. He he was like this from the beginning.
1: Uh yes, definitely.
0: So what was religion to Newton? Was it uh spiritual or was it another set of principles uh, to be understood sort of the way he uh uh, he approached his science.
1: I, I think with Newton, we we have some some interesting paradoxes. One of them is that he he's basically uh, somebody who has grave problems with the the Church of England, with Anglican doctrine. Like he does not believe in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. He thinks it's uh, an excrescence that's been introduced by people who became Roman Catholics in the fourth and fifth century. It's it's an incomprehensible mystery, mm-hmm. um, that that makes God. The Father and Jesus Christ, the Son, equal. When in fact they're they're not equal at all, as far as Newton can see it. And because he, I mean, he been, he remained a, a, a practicing member of the Anglican Church because he believed that the Anglican Church should be really broad in terms of its principles. But of course, he doesn't believe in in the core doctrine of the Anglican Church. So that leaves him in a very difficult situation. Uh, I, what he does believe in, I think, is the significance of reason, and he believes that he's been he, he's been given the power of reason he's been given an especial intellect and understanding by god and he has a duty to use this understanding whether it's in mathematics or physics or theology to find the truth and to divulge it to his contemporaries right so i think where we see connections between his science and religion is is in his dislike of a number of approaches to science and religion. He doesn't like the overuse of the imagination. He is a Calvinist who thinks that the use of hypotheses and theories and science and many uh, many metaphysical principles in religion, they are fictions that are produced by the human brain. And human beings mistake these for divine products, but they are in fact uh, the products of their own little imaginations. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these things connect his science and his religion. Right. So he's very unlike a number of people who are also hostile to the Anglican Church. He doesn't like emotionalism in religion. He's a he's a rational Christian.
0: Was that the norm uh, for the time, were most scientists also believers?
1: There are one or two people who are dubious in terms of their their commitment to Christianity. Uh, Galileo perhaps is one of them. But Newton is a deeply committed Christian, and the vast majority of his contemporaries were as well.
0: But the difference was he saw his Christianity uh, through the prism of, of the scientific method. Well, What's the most surprising discovery you made about Isaac Newton when you were researching this book?
1: Uh, one thing is the amount of time he spent on church history, uh, particularly the 4th and 5th century after uh, Jesus Christ and the apostles. Um, the amount of time and effort he spent on trying to decode uh, prophecy i think much more interesting than the da vinci code stuff you know mm. uh, th- th- this is this is a, a a cipher that he he wants to decode of course being newton uh, we can see it as arrogance but i see it as as a, as a christian who believes he's been given this extraordinary intellect and has a duty to use it but he believes that he can decode it and he believes he has the the correct method to decode the truths of prophecy. They're not exactly the same methods, I think, uh, in, in, in their exactness as in mathematics and science. But in general, I think he believes that reason, the use of reason, uh, will allow people such as himself to uncover truths that, until now, had been hidden from human beings.
0: Was that uh, different than the way his contemporaries uh, viewed religion?
1: I think there's a big danger. Many people, particularly in the, the Church of England and, of course, in the Roman Catholic Church, they, they see a grave danger in people using their reason too much. It, it, mm-hmm. It's as if, uh, you know, that the kind of things that Newton dislikes, the the, the fictions of the brain, his enemies uh, being, you know, mainstream Protestants and Roman Catholics, they also think that people can be overcome by their own reason. They, they can become, you know, reason. Can become idolatrous. You can you can fall prey to the idea that your own reason uh, can guarantee you truth. I, I'd also add uh, just a fo- follow up to your previous question. What what's incredibly surprising about Newton is is that where is where his reason takes him. It takes him into some very radical, extreme anti-Trinitarian views. And in fact, for Newton, all of religious history is inverted. So all the heroes of Protestant and uh, to some extent, Roman Catholic histories—they're all enemies for Newton. They're all baddies, mm-hmm. and all the all the baddies that uh, Protestants and Roman Catholics hate—people you know that that we despise to the current day—vandals, you know, Huns, uh, Goths, and barbarians. You know, these are heroes to Newton, and he supports the fact, uh, which is a, a horrible thing to, to to read. But he supports the fact that they torture. Uh, nuns and monks to extract truth, uh, because he thinks that that has been warranted by God. Now, that, and there's this ex- extraordinary uh, corollary to that view, which is Newton's. I think his personal paranoia, because he's a, a deeply paranoid man, uh, manifests itself as the idea that modern Christianity is one great big conspiracy. He is a he's a he's a mega conspiracy theorist.
0: Oh, I see. Uh, well, he he might have found a, a home in, in modern society too, then. Um, uh, probably. <laughs> well, there's, there's always a, a danger in comparing uh, such different time periods, but is there anything to be learned from Newton today that, that could help bridge the current gulf between science and religion?
1: I think it's very difficult. I see. On the one hand, you, you can say that for some people, their religious views uh, act as a motivation or inspiration for, for doing science, but you tend to find that before the late 19th century. I think nowadays it's increasingly difficult to find people like Newton you know, people who believe in prophecy, who believe in something like an imminent apocalypse, uh, according to the the New Testament revelation, it's increasingly far, hard to find those people who are mainstream scientists. Mm. You, know, you can find some evolutionists who are sort of liberal Anglicans. I don't think there's a necessary, my own view is that there is not a necessary tension between some views of religion and some views of science but of course you can become a militant atheist if you want to and you can be uh, what we call a Christian fundamentalist if you want to and you can see these things as deeply incompatible. I, I don't see it myself as, as necessary.
0: Newton's physics lasted centuries until some of it was replaced by Einstein and relativity and quantum physics where the rules changed that he couldn't have known about. What would Newton have made of modern science?
1: Well I, th- I think that's, an in- that's a very interesting question. I get asked Lot. I think on on the one hand you know he has a what we might say a, a relatively simple view of the world as being an extension of God's existence and the the way the world actually is is a deliberate act of creation by God. He chose uh, to create the world in a certain way and that's a fairly standard 17th, 18th century view of the world.
0: Right, he wound the clock I mean, and instead it going. Uh,
1: well the clock metaphor is something that Newton would have had problems with oh. because if God created too perfect a clock then it, it is as if he could have created the clock, which would be a, a divine piece of craftsmanship and hence a perfect clock. And he could then have left it to go on in its own merry way. Mm-hmm. But Newton thought that God intervened in his own creation sometimes to, to make sure everything was OK. But I do think that Newton's revolution in science is often undervalued. You know, we, we tend to think of the of the Darwinian uh, revolution as, as more extensive but it isn't actually. You know, many people were thinking about evolution at the time that Darwin wrote in the middle of the 19th century, but nobody was thinking the way Newton was at the end of the 17th century. And his view of universal gravitation is not just an extraordinary theory, but it overturns the way people think about science and what science is for. Right. You know, Newton is quite happy to say that we can't explain what universal gravitation is. We can't explain what the physical underpinnings of universal gravitation are. And I think when it comes to quantum theory, uh, where you know the the underlying physical causes of quantum entanglement let's say non locality are incomprehensible i don 't think that Newton would have had a problem with that. he would have said this is the way God has created the world. We will just wait uh, a few decades or a hundred years to find out what the causes are. Mm. That's what he would have thought.
0: Well, in contrast to what Einstein famously said was God does not play dice with the universe. Um, Yeah, that's right.
1: right. But I don't think really Einstein and Newton are are completely at odds with each other.
0: Right. Well, it it sounds to me like he was brilliant in in one area and almost off the deep end in in the other. as the ancient version of trolling uh, the Christian church. Uh, yeah. How come he didn't get into more trouble at the time?
1: Uh, because he kept his writings private. Um, he showed them to four or five trusted uh, people. But really his work wasn't the extraordinary radicalism and originality of his work wasn't known uh, until after he died. And I think it's only become known in, in its fullness in the last 20 years when his writings have become available online as part of the Newton Project. Mm-hmm. So all of his writings are now available. Uh, and we, we can see the development of his of his thought, we we can see just how much he did as a, as a young man. This extraordinary energy he invested in, uh, you know, looking at the 4th and 5th centuries and, and trying to decode the almost perverse mysteries and images of, of Revelation.
0: But tell me a little bit about the Newton Project. Is that something that anybody can access?
1: Yeah, it, it's open access. You You type Newton Project into a search engine and it will come up. It's currently hosted at Oxford, which is where I am. Uh, you can search for words, you can browse. Um, there's about eight, there are about eight million words. And we hope to add another three million. Uh, and then by 2027, which is the uh, the hopeful end of the project, because it will be 300 years since Newton died, uh, we hope to have uh, about 11 million words online, all of them uh, freely available, accessible, searchable, and so on and so forth. And we, we do give guides uh, to people to, to go through this extraordinary array of material, but also people can make their own way through it.
0: Well, it sounds absolutely fascinating. How do, how do you as an author tackle such a broad topic in, in a scientific way?
1: Well, I, I've been working on these papers for a while, and one of the things that interested me was people had always known about Newton's religiosity, his, uh, his, his Christianity, but no one had really gone into them in detail. No one had taken them seriously, so it was a it was a challenge to me to go into them and, and try and understand them and they are technically difficult they are in some ways as, as difficult as the as his mathematics and I, and the, the difficulty for me was was getting across the the kind of methods he used in his research but also making them available and accessible to a wider audience which is what I've tried to do in Priest of Nature
0: mm-hmm. Well, there's obviously still more to be discovered about Isaac Newton. Uh, what do you hope to learn next?
1: Uh, again, without uh, obviously trying to promote the Newton Project, I, I do think that when all of his writings, I and mean, even now with the millions of words that are available, when all of his writings are online, people can try and find connections. Uh, you know, th- This is a, a marvellous resource for moderns. You know, We, we have, in a way, got uh, an unprecedented amount of material about someone who lived in his period. And we, we can find out more about him perhaps through these writings, because writing was his life, we can find out more about him than for anybody before 1800. And what I would love to see are different kinds of people, different audiences with different expectations, uh, making new discoveries about the connections and uh, differences between different aspects of Newton's thought.
0: Well, it sounds like a, a wonderful project. Again, the book is called Priest of Nature, the Religious Worlds of Isaac Newton from Oxford University Press, written by Rob Eilif. And thank you very much for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Howard. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.